Well, good morning, Five Stones Church, and I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens and tablets, on the other sides of phones all over the place. You know, last uh, series we just exited out of, um, we haven't been able to stream because of copyright uh, issues, and so our online community is now just now jumping on and joining us again via live stream. Five Stones, will you put your hands together and welcome your entire church family this morning? We're so glad that you're a part of our family. I know that some of you are traveling right now, going to someplace terrible like a beach or somewhere. And we just pray for you because you can't be here with us. But we are grateful for modern technology that allows you to jump on board with the live stream. And I'm excited about that. Hey, um, we're officially at Summer at Five Stones Church. And it's going to be a, a great summer. I'm excited. We just got out of that series at the movies. Let me ask you, did, did, were you blessed by at the movies? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Come on, put your hands together if you did. Yeah. A uh, lot of fun, had a lot of great testimony that came out of that series. Um, I, I really love it. And you saw from that little teaser, next Sunday we're going to kick off a brand new series called Anti-Heroes, where we're talking all about those characters in the Bible that um, were a little less than perfect. We read them, and when we hear their stories, we think, my goodness, these are just the heroes of the faith. But when you dive deep into their stories, you come to find out that they're pretty flawed individuals. And so they may be heroes in our eyes, but actually they, they operate a little bit more like anti-heroes. And so we'll talk about that and unpack more about that next Sunday. But today I want to talk to you about a concept that is, is really kind of at the heart of who Five Stones is. And it's, it's one of our core values. And it's this concept of radical generosity. Radical generosity. Now, if, if you've never been to Next Steps, and by the way, today would be a good time to start that. Uh, but if you've never been to Next Steps, you may not have heard uh, as frequently as they hear and there about our vision. What is it that Five Stones came to do? And so we, I've asked these guys to put this on the board. This is the vision of Five Stones. We exist to see people set free, transformed, and fully alive through the power of Jesus Christ. And some of you, I can see, you're, you're just saying it with me. You're chomping at the bit to say it. In fact, everybody in this house ought to be able to say this. Let's say it out loud with me. We exist to see people set free, transformed, and fully alive through the power of Jesus. You just said that like it was some seminar. And I made you do, come on, let's put some passion behind it. This is what we believe God brought us to this community to do. Let's say it one more time. We exist to see people set free, transformed, and fully alive through the power of Jesus Christ. That's exactly why we're here. There, and there's this word that's right smack dab in the middle of that vision statement. And, and it's a powerful word. It's the word transformed. And, and we believe that, that God has placed us here to do just that, trans, see people transform. Sometimes that happens one person at a time. Sometimes it happens in great big ways and sometimes in little ways. But we exist to see people transform. So we, we want to see people become something new. And, and sometimes it, that happens in the case of, of, of people who feel jaded by the church. And maybe they've experienced a, a type of, of church before where they feel like, like God's all about my money, right? And then they, they, they see the, this church, Five Stones, going out in the community and doing incredible things like just giving stuff away. Like the serve projects that we have throughout. The week. Every first Saturday, we have a, a serve project that happens. And maybe they see one of those projects where we're out serving the community. By the way, this first Saturday, we're not going to have serve. Uh, day because we're waiting for July 15th. You might have seen that in the video. On July 15th, we're gathered together with churches all over the globe, and we are going to serve communities all over the planet. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. We'll meet up here at 9 o'clock. We're going to get 
coffee and donuts. We'll get you sugared up and just descend on the community to go serve them in that way. We're going to have a whole lot of fun doing that. But, but, but sometimes you see that happen in people, and, and they'll see a church that's instead of being all about their money, we're, we're giving things away, and we're serving our community and, and loving other people and serving our schools. And, and so it begins right there. And people look at that and they say, well, maybe this church isn't all about just the money. And, and maybe the, the, the strongholds inside of their life start to break off. And we start seeing that little by uh, little. And, so, and today I want to talk to you about that concept. The concept of radical generosity, one of the core values of Five Stones Church. And, and I, there's, there's this passage of scripture that just speaks so loudly to this. It's in the book of Romans. Romans 12.2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, I want to stop right there. So what is the Bible saying to us? The Bible is saying that the world has a pattern, right? There, there's a pattern that's going on in this world, and, and never in my entire life has that pattern been, been so clear, so obvious that the world has a way that it wants you to think. Do these things, don't do those things, behave in this way, and don't behave in that way. And if you don't get on board with, with what the world says, then you're mocked and you're ridiculed and you're looked at um, as something wholly different, Right? And it's so clear and evident nowadays that the world has a pattern. It has a pattern that it's trying to mold you in. In fact, did you know this? That according to the Wall Street Journal, they just did a, a, a study not that long ago, and they have found that 39, only 39% of Americans say that faith is important to them in their day-to-day -day life. Only 39%. That is down 62% from just 25 years ago. A quarter of the century ago, it was something completely different. And now only 39% of Americans say that faith is actually an important part of their life. That, that's because there's a pattern of this world. The world has a pattern and it's trying to conform you. And if you don't walk in lockstep with that pattern, then, then the world's going to let you know about it. Well, God says this. He says, I don't want you to conform to that pattern. I've got a different pattern that I want you to know about. I've got a different way of thinking that I want you to be aware of. And so instead of being, being um, conformed into that pattern, he says what we want you to do is be transformed, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's how you do it. So that you will know and be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, now when I was a kid, we'd say time out. My kids say, pause the game, pause the game. It's just a different generation. So, so pause the game for a minute. Like when, when you hear that, it ought to ring some bells to you because do you know what the number one question that most Christians have in the world by and large? We'll, we'll do a survey at Easter and the number one question almost always is the things you want to hear about, things you want to know about is what, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? What, what, is, what, is I, what was I put on this earth to do? That's the number one question. Here it is. This is what God is saying. If you want the answer to know what God's will is for my life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, then you've got to make a decision. Not to live the life according to the pattern of this world. Because there is a pattern. And, and this pattern wants to conform you. And instead, you have to say, I, I've made a decision that I'm not going to be like that. It's actually pretty easy to get what everybody else in the world has. If you think about it, if you want what everybody else has, you just do what everybody is doing. And a whole lot of people out there are conforming to this pattern. And right here, God is trying to tell us that there's something different, a different way of thinking, a, a different way of living your life that I want you to be aware of. And so he tells us how to do this. And right there in the middle of this is this, of this transformation is actually something I believe that Jesus talked a whole lot about, and that's generosity. And, and I want you to see this because Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the heart of transformation 
is generosity. Now, when Paul was writing this, when he was talking about these things, he was actually talking to a, a group of Christians that were living in a community that was very much like the pattern of the world you see today. And, and, and he, he goes on to tell them some interesting thoughts. And this is one of the thoughts that he said to them. He said, but since you excel in everything, okay? This is in, in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He says, since you excel in everything, in other words, Christians ought to be excelling right? We ought to excel. Like if at your place of employment, you ought to be the best worker. Why? Because you're a believer. Like when, when you get around some people, like, like Christians are just excelling. They're the most generous people. They're the most trustworthy people. They're the most hardworking people. We're supposed to, according to Paul, we're sh we should be excelling at everything. We're the ones that accept the new guy and, and just welcomes them in. But, but if we could be real for a little minute, I'm, I'm, I'm not always the best, right? <laughs> I want to be, right? In my heart, I want to excel in all of those things, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm just a jerk that doesn't want to do what, what, what I should be doing. Sometimes I'm the, I'm the guy in the corner that doesn't want to welcome people in. Like sometimes that's just the truth of it. But Paul's saying as Christians, what we should be doing is, is trying. At least excelling should be our goal, that we should excel in these different ways. He says in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in what? The grace of giving. He says that there's an area you should be excelling in, and that should be our goal. And so we should excel in all of these things, and even in the grace of giving. And so, in other words, he's saying we should be doing everything that we can as believers to do it with excellence. And especially, this is one area that we should be excelling in, and that's generosity. And I believe this is at the heart of who we are. That this, this church is a generous church, and, and God's people ought to be generous people. And so if you're keeping notes, I, I want you to take those out because I've got some, some thoughts that I wanted, want you to jot down today. And you might even put this in your margin. I don't know if I wrote this in your note or not. But, but I'm, I, I want to kind of hinge on this pivotal point, and I think this is just vital to this concept. And it's the, the truth is, you can give without loving, but I think it's impossible to love and not give. You can give... And, and not love, but you cannot love and not give. It's just not, in, it's just not possible. Like when you think about it, there's a lot of different reasons that people give. Some people give because they get a tax break, right? Some people give because they, they, they don't want to be judged. They don't want to feel bad. Or, or they give because they, they want to not feel guilty. There's all kinds of reasons that people will give that is not motivated by love. And so we, we can see that it's completely possible to give and not love. But I think it's impossible to love and not give. How do I know it? Well, number one in your notes, Jesus is the standard of generosity. This is how I know. Jesus is the standard for generosity. I should have hear, heard more amens out of that. I got one amen and a holy grunt. Like, like, Jesus is the whole standard. How do I know this? Because the most often quoted passage of Scripture in your whole Bible, the most loved passage, and I love this passage, is John 3.16. And it teaches us this. He says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He proved his love for us by giving. And not just giving anything. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, the Bible is saying that he had, he, he had so much love for us that he gave his son. He was willing to give us his first and his best. And so generosity became the proof of God's love for, for us. And I believe that the same is true for us. If we are made in the image and likeness of God, in other words, to, to put it real simply, if we're going to look more like Christ, then we should be more generous. 
because Christ is generous. Now, I could give you about 100 verses about this. I could show you 100 different verses in Scripture that would back this up, but I just want to show you just a couple this morning. And the first one is in the book of Psalm. Psalm 37 says this, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. In other words, the wicked people, the people that are, are marching in line with the pattern of this world, they're going to do all kinds of stuff with their money. But godly people, people who are following after God, are generous. Here's another passage. Proverbs 21 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. So, so, so in other words, the more I start to look like God, the more generous I become. Why? Because God is such a generous God. And if I want to look more like God, then I ought to be generous. Now, let me just back up, and I can see it in some of your faces. You're like, oh my gosh, I came to church on the day he's going to talk about money. I can't believe, great, I brought my friend on the money day. <laughs> if you're thinking about that, listen, according to Scripture, you might want to work on your godliness, okay? Because he's saying motivation for love and godliness is generosity. And so the, the, the truth of the matter is, is the more we start to look like Jesus, the more generous we become. And, and I think that this becomes a good indicator of how close we are walking with God. Because the closer I get, the more generous I become. The truth is, everything that you own, whether you know this or not, everything belongs to God. There's not one thing that you have that isn't his. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Everything you have belongs to God. And, and so the, the truth about generosity is you can have an idea about being generous, but it's not until you actually move on it that anything of substance happens, right? Like I, I can think about, I, I want to give. I think that would be good. And I can think about giving. But until I actually give, nothing happens, right? I can have ideas about serving, but until I serve, Nothing really happens. I can have ideas about reaching out and loving my neighbor, but it's not until I get up and actually do that that anything changes. And the truth is, unless you give it away, it dies with you. Right? Because nothing that you have will outlive you. The only thing that outlives you is people and the people that you invest in. And so when you give away resources that you could have put anywhere else, then that's, at that point, something changes. Whenever I think about this, I think about the dream team. And we get up here in the morning every Sunday um, at about 7 o'clock when they let us in the doors and we set this whole place up. We transform it from a school into a church, right? We've even got grass on the lawn today because it's summer at Five Stones. Somebody did that, right? I, I think of, of folks like Roy and Brandy Studerman. And I try so desperately to get here before them every Sunday. And pretty much every Sunday, they beat me here. And I'm like, great, they beat me again, you know? And I'm trying my best to get here. But they had to make that decision, right? To get up and, and, and get in here and set up the chairs and, and the production guys and the worship team. I think of the worship team. And I think about how they had to make a determination this morning that the first time that you heard them singing those songs and, and leading those songs was not today. Like they didn't just pick up the instruments and go, hey, you know what? This would be a good song. Let's rock out. You know, like they had to have an idea in their head that we're going to learn this. We're going to serve our God. And it came with, with, with some preconceived thought that in, in order for me to, to do something, I've, I've got to actually do it. If I'm going to worship God in this way, I've got to actually do it. Generosity works in that same way. That just because you think the thought, just because you're generous in your hearts, doesn't mean that it actually happens. It doesn't happen until you actually do something. It's like me. Like, I would love to have a six-pack washboard abs this summer, right? But I also like donuts and biscuits. Come on, somebody. 
And so like, like just because I want the abs doesn't mean I'm going to have it because I'm not willing to do what it takes to get them, right? Because I like something else more. And I think that's at the heart of generosity. We say it this way, that generosity is giving up what you want for something you want more. That's what generosity is. It's saying that I recognize that, that there's a way that I can worship our God, that our God deserves to be praised. It, he deserves every access, access to every part of me, and it's an action, and I'm willing to do that thing. So generosity it has nothing, little less to do with, with the need, and it has more to do with, with who you're becoming. What I want to see happen in my life. See, ge- generosity is more about the nature of the giver, who I want to be. Do I want to be like Jesus? Because I'm, I'm a spiritual descendant of Jesus. Right? And my spiritual nature will resemble him, and he rese- his, he's a generous God. And so my spiritual DNA is made up of a generous God. He's just like that. Now my flesh part, the flesh part of me, that's the part that's fallen and broken and corrupted. That, that part doesn't want to give, right? Because it is, not, it is not in alignment with who God is. And so the more that I want to be like Jesus, the more generous I want to become. Because if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to find out what his perfect will is for my life, if I want to find out what his de- what my destiny is, then I've got to have what Jesus has. I've I got to be in proximity to God, right? This is the reason why a, a lack of generosity will keep you out of the presence of God. I mean, when you think about it, if God is so generous, and, and that's who he is, that's his very nature, is to be a generous, giving, loving God, then I've got to be like that too, because otherwise, I can't get in the presence. I can't come in alignment, in agreement with what God is, right? I've got to come alongside him. If I want all of those things, all the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, those are the fruits of the Spirit. If I want to be like that, I've got to be in the presence of God, and the presence of God is a generous. God. See, he's the one that said in Amos 3.3, he said, two people cannot walk together until they come in agreement. So in other words, if I'm stingy, if I'm selfish with my resources, and God is, is a giving and generous and loving God, then the two of us can never get in the same proximity because God will push back away from that. He'll say, this, these two things don't line up. And so if I want all of those things for my life, I've got to be a generous person. But I want to give you some good news today, right? You ready for some good news? You want some, want some good news? Let, let, me, let me show you some good news. This is straight out of Scripture. Number two in your notes, blessing is a byproduct of generosity. I believe you will be blessed by being generous. Now, let me clarify something because there's a danger here. That's not my motivation, right? My motivation should never be that if I give, then God is obligated to do something else, right? That, that's not the motivation. That's nowhere in Scripture. If you, find that, if you find that, let's have a great discussion on it, because I, I really don't find that anywhere in Scripture. But it is a true fact that when you're generous, God will bless you. It was Jesus that said, you're more blessed to give than to receive. So he's proving it to us. And I'll show it to you in your own life. Has anybody in here ever had a moment where you just feel like, man, God has blessed me in so many ways, and he has loved me in so many ways. He's been so good to me that I just want to give. And you turn around and you do something just generous to somebody or you give to the church or something, and just to find out that immediately God blesses you in some way. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life where I just stepped out and said, God, you're so good. I'm going to trust. I'm just going to love on you and be generous in this way just to find out that God blesses me in a bigger way. I think about this. Recently, we did, um, you know, at the first Saturday service, we were doing a reverse car wash. 
And man, this was so much fun. This is where, if you're not familiar with it, we go out there and we hold out signs. Our, our little kids are out there holding signs that say, car wash, $2, right? And, and we're out there just welcoming people in to wash their car. And they bring their car in, and then we do a halfway decent job washing it. Okay, the best that we can. It's a little sudsy. We had to wash some of them a couple times. But we, we were washing these cars, right? And when they get through with the car wash, they come out and they're ready to hand us the $2. But instead, we say, no, keep your $2. We want to give you $2. And the expressions on people's face is, was, to me, was worth the entire event. Because it was, it was so fun to do this and watch people come through this line. Some of you guys were there. You're laughing and nodding your heads, you know. Like, like when they come through the line and they expect to give, they were trying to do a nice thing. Like, okay, I'll let this church give me a crummy car wash and I'll give them $2, right? And when they get to the end, when we wouldn't take it from them, instead we gave them $2, they were blown away. People would say, no, no, I was, I was trying to give that to you. Like, I don't understand. Like, and so this, this one lady was, was so just challenged by this. She said, no, 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 I want to give to you. We said, we won't take it. We want to give you $2. And she said, well, okay, well, then I'm going to come to your church. <laughs> I said, okay, it sounds like a threat, but, but come on. And, and she did, like the next Sunday she came to church and, and she found me in the lobby. She made sure to find me. And she said, you remember me? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, see, I came to your church, and guess what? I liked it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I said, I'm glad. I, I really am glad. She said, yeah, and I gave you your $2 back and more. <laughs> and, so, and it was so fun to do that. But, like, the reason why I'm even telling you this story in the first place is while we were out there doing this, we're, we're doing this car wash and having a blast doing it, just loving on people and stuff, there was a family that was traveling and they don't even live in Chattanooga. They, they broke down in Chattanooga. The incredible people at Advanced Auto let, let us set up in their parking lot. And they let us use their water to do this and everything. And, and this family had broken down on their way to like Ohio or somewhere. And uh, they were in the parking lot. And the, the two, two guys were like elbows deep in the engine. They were, they were working on whatever it had busted to try and get their van up and running to keep going. And, uh, and the mom and the kids were in the back, and it was kind of a warm day and everything. And a couple members of our team went over there to just check on them and pray with them, and they were really appreciative of that. It was right at the lunchtime hour, and we were about to wrap up our outreach. And Deborah just thought, you know, uh, my wife said, I, I think that they might be hungry. And so there was a pizza place. So she walked over and got some pizzas and started to bring them back. And, and she said, look, we just want to drop these off. We recognize you guys are hungry. And, and they were so appreciative of that. They said, thank you so much for giving us this pizza. Now, this is the cool part. Before Deborah could make her way back from just blessing those people with a couple of pizzas, before she could get back to the group, one of the guys whose trucks we washed, we, he had this massive truck. And he, he brought it on down, and, and we washed this thing. And it took, we're, kids are climbing on this thing. It was so big to wash and everything. And when we got to the end, we said we wouldn't take his money. And he was kind of flabbergasted about that. And he just wouldn't let it happen. So he, he drove over to Pizza Hut, and he picked up 12 pizzas, and he came back and gave it to our whole team. Our whole team could eat pizza. We could drive off. I was handing pizzas out at the end. I, I started to learn a couple things that day. I, I couldn't help but to share with the team. Before she could get back with two pizzas, God had delivered 12. And it was just like you. You can't out pizza the hut and you can't out give God. Come on, somebody. And it's, it's just the truth. Like I've seen God do this so many times that there's no way that you can out give him because the moment that you try, God sees that inside of you and he says, man, that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to instill inside of you. It's not this thing like I've got to hold on to all this stuff, a scarcity mind that if, mindset that if I hold on to this money, then I'll keep it. But if I let it go, then there won't be enough and there, there won't be enough resources. God wants to get that out of you because when you give, God loves to give it back. 
This is how the Bible teaches us this, this in Proverbs 11. He says, one man freely gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So the Bible says, well, if you check this out, and, and by the way, this is not a formula, okay? Because some people try to use this like a formula, okay? If I give, now God is somehow obligated because he said this, I give, now he's got to give me back. There's the, like this prosperity thing that is not true. Like, like God is not confined in those parameters. Like, oh no, what am I going to do now? But it is evident in scripture, in this passage and others, that when I give out of a heart of generosity, the byproduct is more generosity, King Solomon is the wisest man the Bible says to have ever lived. And he says, can you see the, the sides of this? He says, there's two sides. When one person gives, th there's more that comes to him. And, and when one person withholds, what happens to that person? Poverty. And that could be a financial poverty. That could be a spiritual poverty. That could be a relational poverty. It's a poverty in a number of different ways. But God says that the generous person will prosper. The one who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. So what is God teaching us in this? He's trying to show us that, that, that the byproduct of generosity happens to be a blessing. You get blessed when you do it. It's just like he told Abraham. You guys remember Abraham? Remember, come on, children, church people. Father Abraham had many sons and I am one of them and so are you. So See, all of you into children's church, so good. Give yourselves a hand for that. That's very nice. Abraham lived the same way, right? God said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing, right? I've got something for you. And if you will just not hold on to it, instead, if you'll pass it along, then I'll give more to you. That's what he says. You're blessed to be a blessing. Like if I was an old school preacher, like if I had big hair and a coat, I might say that if God could get it through you, then God will give it to you, bless Jesus. You'd remember it that way too. But and the, the truth is, is there's, there's truth in that statement. The reason why we say it that way, the reason why preachers look for funny hooks like that, is because we want you to understand this fundamental core truth of what God's word is saying is that if, if God can get, you, get this through you, then he will give it to you. Why? Because he doesn't want these things to own you. This is what the Bible says. Jesus said it this way. He said, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. In other words, he says, are, are you living for this place or are you living for the eternal home? Hey, listen, man, there's, there's stuff that I want to get. There's stuff that I want to have in this life. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but you need to recognize this life is temporary. And I'm looking for something that, that is beyond here, that's far better than here. He goes on to say this in, in Luke 12. Jesus said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fall, fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. See, here's the thing that I've learned about generosity. When you give it to God, God keeps giving it back. In fact, this is number three in your notes. You could write this down. God keeps giving seed to the sower. God loves to give seed to the sower. He will always provide seed. It's, it's like if, if today, you know, thinking about the summertime, I'm thinking about barbecues and, and, and corn on the cob. If I had, if I had a, pea, a corn on the cob, right, I could take that, that corn and I could eat it all. I could slather it and butter. It'd be delicious. Come on, somebody. I'm starting to get hungry. And, and like if, I, was, if I, could, I could take that corn and I could eat every single bit of it, right? And then what would happen? I would be out of corn right? There would be no more corn. Or I could take some of that corn and I could plant it in the ground. 
And what would happen is out of that, I, as I became a sower, as I planted some of that, what would happen is more corn plants would grow, right? This isn't a complicated process. This is the way God designed it, that out of those things that grow become more corn with a whole lot more seed, right? So the thing is, is, is it's just a very simple principle that God is trying to show this in entire lifestyle. In fact, God, God was trying to teach us this over and over again. At one point after the flood, he said, look, as long as this thing keeps going on, as long as creation endures and it keeps rolling along, there's some things that are going to happen. Sunrise and sunset, hot and cold, seed time and harvest. If you'll plant, you'll get the result of that planting. This, I love the way he says it in this verse. Watch this. He says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, everything's a seed. It's all a seed. Everything starts with a seed. A relationship starts with a seed. A marriage starts with a seed. A business starts with a seed. A church starts with a seed. Nothing happens until that seed gets planted in the ground. And what is God, why is he trying to teach us in this way? Because if you've ever planted anything, you put it in the ground and you don't know what's happening next. You're just wondering, God, what's going to happen as it's under the surface? The actual Bible even talks about this, that, that the farmer plants that seed and something is going on underneath there. You know what's happening? Faith is, is built up inside of you. You start having faith. And he says, listen, the same measure that you do this, it'll be measured back to you. The way that you give, it'll be given back to you. I can't help but to think there was a time uh, when my kids were little, and I can't for the life of me. I was trying to think about what fun thing I'd just gone on with. I just paid a bunch of money so we'd go on this fun thing. And we were getting done with that thing. And we were on our way. It was about the lunchtime hour. And as we're driving back, they were begging me, Dad, can we go? They were all hungry. Can we go to, to McDonald's? I'm not a huge McDonald's fan. They're like, come on, Dad. I call it McDoodoo's because it's just me. But, but, but like, they're like, Dad, can we go to McDonald's? I was like, I don't want to go to McDoodoo's. And they're like, please, Dad, can we go to McDonald's? I said, all right, fine. We'll go to McDonald's. And so we, we, we drove in. We, we go inside. We order the stuff. We sit down on one of those plastic booths and we're sitting there and we're eating the fries and, and the burgers and, and the whole stuff. And I, I finished my burger and what we had done is we had taken all of our fries and just poured them on one tray, you know, and so we were all kind of eating. And I was sitting next to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, my daughter at the time, was real little. And I said, um, I, I think I'd eaten all the fries that were in front of me and I reached over and got two of her fries. And I said, uh, could dad have two of your fries? And she's a little bug at that time and she just looked at me with this furrow brow and she said, no, those are mine. And she snatched the little fries away from me. And in that moment, and I don't know, maybe it was because of the fact that I just spent a whole lot of money on whatever fun activity we just did, or the fact that they talked me into go to, to McDoodoo's in the first place, but there was something that happened in my brain, right? And I was thinking of all of these, like, the, like three thoughts popped in my head simultaneously. The first thought was like, she has no idea where these fries came from. She has no clue that I'm the guy that provided them. I, I'm the guy that walked up to the counter, gave them my money, I got the fries. She has no concept of that. And the second thing is, if I wanted to, I could go back to that counter and get so many fries that I could bury my little daughter in French fries if I wanted to. Like I could put so many fries on her that we couldn't see her little pigtails any longer. I could just bury her in fries. And the third concept that I had was that if I really wanted fries, I wouldn't ask her for it. I had enough money that I could go up there and order fries and eat it. And I don't know if maybe it was because I was staring at her for a little too long, contemplating about burying my daughter with French fries, but she was like, here's the fries, daddy. You know, she just kind of gave that back to me. But I, I think a lot of times we handle this the same way. We start thinking like, like, we forget the fact that all of the stuff that we have, everything we've gotten has been given to us by God. 
He was the one that gave it to us in the first place. Every resource we have, everything comes from him. He, he's the supplier of all of the seed, if you will. Right? God's the one that do, does all of that. He's the one that's in control. God has blessed us in this country so overwhelmingly. And when you think about it, man, I've been to, to countries where it is, uh, I mean, everything that they can do to eat. And, and when you come, uh, go on a mission trip and then you come back to the United States, you think, gosh, I'm so incredibly blessed. Like when you, when you think if you've got a, a place to, to sleep at night, if you've got a vehicle, if you've got something to eat, right? Like if you've got these things, like you're in an incredibly small percentage of people on the planet. And God says, man, I've loved you so much that I've placed you right here. I'm the supplier of everything that you've got. It's all him. And I wonder sometimes, like, it's almost like you could hear him say this, that exact thing in the book of Psalms when he said it. Look at how he said this in Psalm 50. He said, I have no need of a bull from your stall or the goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that's in it. I wonder if sometimes God doesn't feel like, you know what? I'm just going to dump so many fries on you. You know, like I wonder if God, like that's how I feel. God's long suffering. Aren't you glad he's God and I'm not? Because like, like the truth is God, the way he handles it, he's, he's a patient and loving God. But I wonder if sometimes he doesn't feel, feel like, man, are you so in love with money? Let me just bury you in money. Is that what you want? Is you want more money, more and more and more and more? See, I had this expectation from my daughter and it was that she would not be stingy, right? Even at that little age that she would just, she would be giving, right? That she would give it back to me. And I think God is the same way. He's, he's looking, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your wealth. He doesn't need any of it. Let me prove it to you. You know, in heaven, he made the, the streets gold. The thing that we think are, is so precious and so valuable that, man, we'll make rings and necklaces out of it. God says, yeah, that'll be the stuff you walk on, right? That's how valuable. God doesn't need your money. What God is saying is, is your willingness. God's looking for your heart. Does, does, are you, is that thing got control of you? Are you so nervous about that thing? Are you so worshipful of that thing that you can't let go of it? See, he wants you to be willing to give. Giving is the essence of who God is. And so when we're giving, it's a pure expression of who God is inside of us. And in order to, to just like any good farmer, you've got to plant that thing in the ground. And we've got to be determined that, that, that we're going to be givers like that. De- Deborah and I, you know, 20 years ago, I don't know how you were raised, but we weren't, weren't raised in a household where, where tithing, giving 10% of your income to a church, was a regular thing. Like, my dad wasn't a tither, he was a tipper. Come on, somebody. Like, you know, like, like if the message was pretty good, he's like, hey, my, he would tell my mom, throw in $5. You know, that was a pretty good job. You know, and that's just the way kind of he, he looked at things, and, and we weren't raised that way. But when Deborah and I were very first married, last week we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. You want to talk about a generous person? Yeah, thank you. That's for Deborah because she deserves it for 20 years of putting up with me. But, but in 20 years ago, we went to, uh, the pastor was of the church was preaching on this concept. And he taught of a very simple concept. He said, listen, here's how you can handle your money. Tithe 10, give 10% back to the Lord, save 10, put that in the bank that you can save it, and then live off the 80. And I, I remember I was a young guy and I heard that and I thought, man, that's a brilliant concept. I, I told Deborah, I said, we're going to try that. And year over, we started that. And year over year, we tried to grow that. And so we started off, that was, that was a big step for us. To give 10% of our, our, our money to, to back to God was a big step. And so for us, that, that was a big deal. But over the years, we've tried to grow that. And, and I'm happy to say that we have been more and more generous every year to our church. And when we started this church, we gave to more money than, than we've ever given to anything before in our entire lives. We gave to God. 
And, and the cool part, because the byproduct of giving is, is the byproduct of generosity is blessing, God, we have watched God bless us over and over and over again. And the same is true of this church. From the very conception of this church, we have been a radically generous church. It's one of our values, and I've seen it happen over and over. In fact, something really exciting uh, just happened recently, and we wanted to share that with you. Why don't you take a look at this video? Hello, my name is Danielle Dean, and I have been so blessed to acquire the Nissan Pathfinder. This is your car. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to thank you guys. It has been just altogether a blessing for my life. Um, before the car, it was very hard. My sister, she was taking the bus at the same time that I was when I started my job. I think the first day, like our our um, times were the same, so we rode it together for the first time, <laughs> and that was cool. But after that, it was pretty much me, myself, and I, like whether it be like getting an Uber, getting a Lyft, um, doing my walking to work and, and back, it, it was pretty much just me. I like the company of others. Like, I, I do not like to be alone. Like, my sister will tell, well, my sisters will tell you, like, we, we love to go everywhere together. And just having that company and being able to, like, take your friends places and just go wherever. Um, has has been a huge blessing. Transportation is one thing, but um, when you receive a blessing, right, you want to be a blessing as well. We're blessed to be a blessing. So like, even with my sisters, like, and my sister who's going to work now, like, I'll be like, okay, do you have a ride? Like, you know, what does your schedule look like so I can help you out? Like, and just being able to help has really touched me, but in those times where you feel like it's just you, it's not really just you, right? Like we have the Lord and he really, like I feel like the Lord will put us in situations where it feels like we're alone and it's just us so that we're like compelled to call on him. We're moved, like we're, we become desperate in a way and we're like, Lord, I need you. That's what he wants. So when we heard about this, we started looking around, asking around. Um, there's a family in the church that said, um, okay, we've got a vehicle for you. We can give you this vehicle, but the problem was that the transmission was out. So we didn't want to give you a vehicle that was not going to be you know, reliable or yeah. operable. So um, another family in the church heard about this, okay? And they said, you know what we'd like to do? We'd like to bless Danielle with a new transmission. So they took the vehicle, got it towed to a shop, put a new transmission in, but while the, they were working on the transmission, they said, how old is this engine? The engine had like 200 and something thousand miles on it. And so that wouldn't be a great car to give you. So they said, you know what? We'd like to go ahead and pay for a new engine. So the engine only has, it's not brand new, it has 3,000 miles on it, like new. And so while they were doing that, they said this vehicle actually needs new tires and new brakes and new uh, radiator. And, and there's a whole list of stuff that they went through and they paid for every bit of that. Uh, what I love about this is that the heartbeat of the family that did all the work was that they said Jesus doesn't give halfway gifts, he gives it all the way. So it's not just like we're going to get a car that maybe work on you and be okay. We want to make sure that we're going to get a vehicle that's going to be reliable and in every way. So they went top to bottom on this vehicle and, and it's, it's going to be super reliable for you.
and we, we share that not, not to brag in any way about people. That be, actually, the families wanted to be, remain anonymous that, that gave the vehicle and then did all of the repairs on it. Um, but but it, I wanted to show you that because it, it's just a, an expression of who this church is. Being radically generous is a core value. They saw a need. And we'd love to be able to do that for everybody, right? And we can't yet. But, uh, but we'll do for one what we want to do for everyone. And so when that family saw that need inside, um, they said, I, I want to step out. And I want to be like Jesus. I love that statement that they said, listen, Jesus doesn't give halfway gifts. We're going to give it all the way. Right, and, and there was no, there was no um, checking uh, to see what kind of a this person or that person are they doing this or doing that. They just saw a need. And they said, this, "This is who God is. He gives first. And th- this is really exciting to me. I didn't even know this. Actually, Ethan pointed it out to me. He said, "Pastor Tom, do you know that that's actually the fourth vehicle that this church has given away? Four vehicles away. If that's pretty good for a nine-month-old, come on, you ought to give God praise for that. In nine months, we've get, we've actually given away four vehicles." And, and it's just at the heartbeat of who we are. And I, I love um, talking to the business owners that, that gave uh, towards that. And that one, of the, uh, one of the guys who gave to, to fix all of that stuff is a business owner and a dear friend. And, and he wanted to make sure that, that what he was doing was going to provide a vehicle that was, that was excellent. You know, and, and, and what's fun about that, because I've heard this over and over again, is, is he says, listen, as soon as I gave, God opened up more things. Like, there's more blessing that came my way. And how do I know that? Again, this is not a prosperity thing. This is not like it sets God on the hook that God has to do something. But if God could get it through you, he will give it to you because he loves to give seed to the sower. And I've talked to so many business owners that have said the same thing. We've got uh, incredible folks that, that join us online. They cannot be here physically, but they believe in this church and they give to this church. And, and, and some of them gave uh, large amounts to get this church started. They, they can't even physically be here, but they count this church as one of their own. And, and be, as a result, they're radically generous. And so I, I think what God wants, to, wants us to see is that we've got to put this seed in the ground. We've got to do something with what God has given us so that we can see God do something incredible in the lives of others. And I believe that's what God wants us to know. And he wants you to know that, that, that no good farmer would wake up in the morning without planting one seed in, in his field and go, what gives? Like, why don't I have any, any crops, right? No, he expects that if you, if you want to be a good farmer, then you have to plant it in the ground. You've got to sow some seed. And then you can, you can expect that God is going to do something with that. And you'll be, if nothing else, the person who gave, if nothing else, no other generosity comes out of it, God doesn't bless him in any way. Just like Jesus says, that person is so blessed. When they watch that video, they say, man, I, I'm so blessed to have been a part of what God wanted to do. That's what we get to do when we are radically generous. And so I want to give you just three quick things that you can do in your notes to become a giver that honors God. The first one is it's priority giving. This is three attributes of generosity that honors God. The first one is that giving is, is a God-honoring giving is a priority giving. And so it has very little to do with how much money you have or, or how little money you have. Generosity begins right where you are. Whether you have a lot of money or no money or, or, or just whatever you have, it begins right here. You say, God, you're not just a priority in my life. You are the priority. And so when I give, I give because I recognize that you're the priority. I don't give when I have some extra money. Right? When I have a little bit left over. Because you know why? That'll never happen. 
Can I just be honest with you? Like, how many of you, if you were honest, you'd say, right now in my life, I have more money, more funds, more things than I've ever had in the previous years of my life. Like, God has blessed me this place. That Most of us, I think right now in our lives, we would say, when you look back on the course of your life, I have more than I ever have before. And then at the same time, if, I, if, you, if that's a true statement, and I were to walk down after church and say, here's a $100 bill, can you do something with it? How many of us would say, well, no. I've got so much money, I can't think of one thing that I could do. If I took a check for $10,000 and I wrote it out and I handed it to you and I said, could you do something with this? Has anybody here go, no, you know what, Pastor Tom, I got so much money, you better keep that, bro, right? Like, no, nobody in there, because there's always something we can spend money on, right? There's always something that we can think, even though we live in this incredibly blessed place, there's always something that I can take the extra and, and go do something with. That's why you can't wait until I have a little bit more to start being generous. God says it's got to be the priority. It's your number one in my life. And if you start throwing off the pattern of this world and you start walking in, in step with that, then you'll produce inside of yourself a generosity that honors God. Throw off the pattern that says what you've got to do is, is trust the world. Like my hope and my trust is my job. My hope and my trust is my 401k. You know what the pattern of the world says? Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. That, that's what the world says. And if you'll do that, you'll get what the world's got. But if you'll choose to trust God and say, God, I'm choosing to trust you first and, and make you the priority in my life, you'll watch God do something incredible. Here's the second thing. It's a percentage giving. A, a giving that honors God, a generosity that honors God is a percentage giving. A giving that honors God says there's a portion that matters. Did you know this? This is interesting to me that Americans are the, uh, the number one uh, in, in a couple of different things. They're the number one in generosity and they're the number one in wealth. I don't think that's a, a coincidence. I, I just feel like that there's, there's a, a, a coincidence there, it seems, in the world's eyes, but there's a reason why this is simultaneously the most generous country on the planet and the most wealthy on the planet because we understand that there's, there, there's a giving concept that happens here. There's a woman inside of scripture that Jesus said she gave more than everybody. Everybody was given big gifts at the time, and she gave just two little pennies, but it was everything that she had. It was the percentage, and Jesus said that woman gave more than anybody. And see, the point on a generosity that honors God is a generosity that gives percentage-wise. And you say, okay, I'm going to give a little bit. I'm going to take a step. And maybe this blows your mind that 10% of, I remember sitting there thinking when that preacher was talking about that, how could I give that much of my income? I don't understand how I could possibly give that much. And so it was blowing my mind. And, and so I had to take steps. And see, a, a generosity like that is a progressive one, right? It's the same way I got up on the stage. I didn't just jump from the first row up here, right? I took steps. And so today, maybe 10% of your income is just, man, that's too much for me to wrap my head around, do something with it. Like, like 1% or 2% and you take steps. That's exactly it. It's a progressive giving. That's number three. It's a progressive giving. And when we trust God with our giving, the way we trust God with everything, we do little by little. And this is how Deborah and I learned how to give. This is how we taught our kids how to give. When, when we started giving in the first year of our marriage, 10% was the most that we can do. And I'm excited to say that, that year over year, we've been able to give more and more and more as we trusted God. See, what's amazing about Americans is those, those two things that we're number one in, um, we're number one in generosity, and then we're also number one in wealth. Well, a lot of people think, well, the reason why it's like that is because we have more ingenuity, we have more hardworking people, we have better education. The truth is we're not number one. 
in a whole lot of those areas. If you look at the statistics, we're not number one in education. There's lots of places that are a lot better than us. We're number one in wealth and generosity because the two are tied together. You want to know an interesting thing that we are also number one in? Depression. We are number one in the world in depression. Now, Now, how can that be? That the country that is so overwhelmingly blessed that we have more stuff, we've got more things, we've got more wealth than anybody else, and yet simultaneously, we are the most depressed in the world. Why? Because having stuff will never satisfy you. See, that's what God is trying to tell you. He doesn't mind that you have things. He just doesn't want your things to have you. And when, when that happens, when, when my money has got me and it's controlling me, I'm worshiping money. Let me just tell you something, church. This church, we don't worship money. We worship God. Money serves us as we serve God. But we're not going to worship money or things or stuff. Because ultimately, God will make sure that that stuff gets out of you. That he'll, he'll, he'll figure out a way. And, and this is the thing I always love to say because I know that there's a skeptic in the room. There's somebody that is, whenever I talk about generosity, somebody's thinking like, what is, what is Pastor Tom getting a cut of this? Like, I'm like what, how much of this is he getting? Well, let, let me just put your mind at ease because many of you have heard me say this before and I stand by it and I mean it. That if you don't think that this, the generosity, that these principles will work inside of your life, surely on your way to church this morning, you passed another church to get to Five Stones. You passed some little church. I, I just, if you don't believe, if you think that this pastor right here is after your money, then I, I, I encourage you to pull off and don't give here, give to that church. Because you'll watch as God does something in your life, as he changes something inside of you, as you're blessed incredibly, and and you'll see. Now, if it doesn't work, you go back to that church and you ask them for the money. Just don't tell them I sent you. They're probably mad at me as it is. But but, but the point of this matter is, is is if you will apply this to your life, you'll watch that those things that might have had a tight grip on you begin to release. And you start to have a a, a freedom in your life to know that I I don't worship God. I, I, I don't, so, I'm sorry, I worship God. I don't worship money. I, money serves me as I worship God. And generosity in your life becomes a motivator that puts you back closer to God. And the truth of the matter is, that's what I want you to, to focus in on today. That's what I want to challenge you with. What concrete steps are you taking today to be more like God? Is there something in your life that owns you? Is there something in your life that I cannot possibly release that thing? Because if I do, then something might happen. Let me tell you something. You're worshiping that thing. Is your hope and your trust in your job or in your spouse's job? Is your hope and your trust in your 401k? Well, what happens if that spouse's job goes away? What happens if the, the stock market crashes? Is your hope gone? The Bible says that some put their hope and their trust in horses and others chariots, but my hope is in the name of the Lord. That's where we put our hope. That's where we put our trust. See, the truth of the matter is God doesn't want your money. God doesn't care about your French fries. He wants your heart. He wants nothing to be burdened inside of you. He doesn't want you to be tied down with anything. He wants you to to be set free, transformed, fully alive through the power of Jesus Christ. And that's my question for you today. Has that ever really been true for you? Have you ever had a moment where you said, you know what, God, you can have every part of me, that you can have my kids, and you can have my job, and you can have my house, and you can have my life. And how many of us say, you can have all those things, but you can't have my wallet. Don't take that. Like everything else is yours, Lord, but I don't want you to touch that. 
God says, if you, he's got this thing. He thinks he's God. He's either Lord of all or not at all, right? He's just got this thing where it's either I'm everything in your life and you worship me or you worship that other thing. And, and hey, you, you take your bets with that one. But if you'll put your hope and your trust in me, I, I promise, this is what he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll make sure that there's plenty enough. And I've, I've lived my whole life that way. If we had time, I'd share story after story where I saw God come through in all of these different ways because I trusted him. And that's what he cares about. Not the money, not the stuff, your heart.